Hello, Bond fans, and welcome to Diminishing Returns. This week we continue our epic journey through the world of James Bond with the spy who loved me. Everyone's favourite Bond expert is back, but that doesn't mean he's going to like what we have to say. I enjoyed that. Who who did that? <laughs> that was that was Tomo. Oh, Tomo! Our last remix. He did a little James <laughs> Bond remix of it for us as well. <laughs> That's so cool. Ah, <laughs> nice, yeah. awesome. Thank oh. you, Tomo. That's Tomo great, fellows. And sounded kind of funky, which is appropriate for the uh, score of the film that we're going to talk about today. The Spy yeah. Who Loved Me. I'm Dyson, Calvin Dyson, and with me are Sol, <laughs> uh, Harris, Sol Harris. <laughs> And Alan. Turing. Alan Turing. <laughs> it's more appropriate Great. when you do it, because with you it's a code name, isn't it, Alan? <laughs> oh, wait. No, no. <laughs> it's wrong. Okay, so, mm. Spy Who Loved Me. Right. Yes, yes. Spy Who Loved Me. So, third Roger Moore Bond film. Can I give a little bit of history before we get to talking about it? Yeah. Right, so um, there was a three-year gap between this film and the previous one, which, as you remember, Saul, was... Live and let die. No, no, no. forever. No, 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 you're going the wrong way. <laughs> Go the uh, other way. One, only one. One oh, foot in the grave. I'm one foot in the grave. <laughs> Uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. Salt, you're going Moonraker. the wrong way. No, no, that's <laughs> King's time. Who was in it? Uh, uh, it was Roger Moore and Christopher Lee. Britek Gold Gold. Oh, Gold. the man with the golden gun. <laughs> yes, that's the one. Well done, well done. So, um... <laughs> <laughs> yes, this was, th- this was the longest gap between Bond films since the series has started because uh, The Man with the Golden oh. Gun was both a critical and commercial disappointment. The producers up until this point have been both Cubby Broccoli and Harry Saltzman. This is the first film. Are you laughing, Sol? Every time I hear that name, it's funny to me. Nothing funny about Harry Saltzman. <laughs> Cubby Broccoli. <laughs> anyway, um, so Harry Saltzman made some bad investments um, and had to sell his share of the company. Cubby Broccoli um, took that up, and so he became the sole producer of the James Bond films. Huh. Yes, and which is why they kind of threw everything at this one, because the, the series had been kind of treading water for a since on a Majesty's Secret Service, really, like they had to lure Connery back to be a big draw for Diamonds Are Forever, and Live and Let Die, I think, had the curiosity factor, and a lot of people wanted to see what the new guy was like. Um, but mm. yeah, the reception for the Man with the Golden Gun was not good. So um, there was a lot riding on this one at the time in 1977. And as each Roger Moore film previously is picked up on a trend of the time. Uh, namely, black exploitation and kung fu movies. Can you guess what uh, theme this one picked up on? Uh, spy movies, romance. No, no, no. Disco. Think water. 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 What? What? What was like the biggest film of all time? Um, uh, a a film before. about this giant man with teeth, and he attacks <laughs> Richard Dreyfus. <laughs> uh. 
Anyway, yeah, so Jaws had been a big success for Steven Spielberg, and so this is the water Bond adventure, where there's a lot of stuff about water. There's a character called Jaws. A couple of sharks. Um, I mean, that's a bold move, isn't it? You you see a film that's a huge hit, you think, right, we, we want to emulate that, kind of rip it off, but we don't want anyone to know what we're doing, and then you just <laughs> name a character after the film. <laughs> <laughs> well, Spielberg was considered as a... Uh, a choice for director for this film, but uh, I think he was a, still too good for it even then. <laughs> well, no, he wanted to do it. He wanted to direct a Bond film. That's like where Indiana Jones came from. So he thought, oh, I could do this better and did it better. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, yes. Would, would that not have been a, another Danny Boyle, do you not think, if he had signed on to do it? I I, I can't see Oh, at that stage in his career, I, yeah, but I don't even know, at that stage in his career, then, maybe. I don't know. I suppose he had just directed the most financially successful film of all time, so... Mm. Yeah. But anyway, they went back and got Lewis Gilbert from Year and Live Twice, which was one of the films I think we... Which was one of the films that I think we all liked. Calvin, name one Lewis Gilbert film that is not Bond-related. Alfie. Ah, okay. Fair enough. Another? Didn't he do Educating Rita as well? I feel like he did. He, for, the, for the guy who's done the most brass and audacious Bond films, uh, he has quite a humble directorial career otherwise. Hum- by humble, you mean good films? <laughs> well, I mean low budget. Oh, okay, is that is that setting the tone for this discussion then? Are you going <laughs> to plant your flag on the hill right away? Well, I today I watched a YouTube video of a very young, barely out of his teens young man with erratic teeth saying that oh, this yeah. <laughs> saying that this was one of was possibly his favorite bond film um, yes uh, so i think we might be in for a bit of conflict today <laughs> i think this could be an interesting discussion uh, hmm. i mean this it's often held up isn't it as you know the quintessential bond film i know this because of alan partridge um Mm. Mm. Can I can I just sort of sum up my general feelings quite quickly here? That okay. this film it, it kind of did everything right. It, um, there was nothing sort of really bad about it, like the, there have been in the previous films. Mm-hmm. But it was just so bland and boring. Yeah. And I think yeah. this is what and and the fact that you really like it and you're the Bond guy suggests to me that this is Bond. This is what people yeah. want from Bond. And that does not bode well for the fact we've got another fucking 14 films to watch. <laughs> because <laughs> if this is Bond done well, it's just boring. This is a kind of Bond, don't forget. Things do change when we get to Timothy Dalton and uh, Daniel Craig. But certainly of the Roger Moore films, this is yeah my favourite of his, of his seven films, yes. Okay. Still, still to this day, like I did go into it, and I, I, I can see where you're coming from. I think there are stretches where nothing much happens. Some of it is a bit difficult to follow the intricacies of the plot. I should say, anyway. I mean, in the broad strokes, it's just billionaire wants to take over the world for stupid reasons, and Bond has to go stop him. Um, Sol, what did you think? I think Alan pretty much nailed it there. It's just bland, oh. isn't it? It's just yeah. like there's nothing even like. Like the that, shoddy editing they've had in previous films, and like, but this is this was fine as a film. It was fine. That's kind of how I've always felt about the the Bond franchise. I've always kind of looked at it as just a very bland 
thing that just doesn't interest me at all. I don't really know what people get out yeah. of it. And I just assumed, well, I need to watch him. Do you not find it even remotely funny? Like, this one has well, some great bits in it. Bits of it, but then I don't even know... It, it really is difficult for me to tell at what level it's being pitched a lot of the time. Like, the opening, mm. we, we open on Bond in bed with another woman, and it's... I don't a know, woman? it's like it's like Joey from Friends. It's like, it's just... <laughs> yeah, that's like, I don't know. Is it a joke that he's with this woman at the start, or is it kind of just, oh, look how cool he is? Uh, I think it's a bit of both. It's kind of, I mean, it's I, kind of a joke because he's like, oh, sorry, love, I've just got to go and run away from these gunfighting people uh, on some skis. And in a yellow jumpsuit, which is not the best thing to wear. I struggle to know at what point it stops being a joke and becomes something we're meant to take seriously, and if the whole thing's kind of a joke, then it's not funny enough, and I, I just mm. I, I struggle with it. And that's the franchise rather than this film, specifically. But yeah, I mean, it's yeah, the opening was alright. Calvin, do you want to well, reenact yeah, the I... opening for us? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. Uh, so it's basically Bond is in bed with a lady, and uh, yeah, is um, chased by Russian folks, and then has to parachute off a cliff to escape them. There's, there's like a sound effect when he skis off that cliff and spins round, and it just it just looks lame. It just looks really pathetic. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, it's not as bad as a slide whistle. Come on. I I must admit that stunt was really cool. I thought it was great. Well, it looked great. Not least because you can, that's a bloke jumping off a cliff and parachuting yeah. off. You can tell it's real. It must be a pretty low base jump as things go. Like that's actually a pretty impressive stunt. But like mm. my my note here basically is that would have been such a cool opening if it looked remotely like like a mistake or like he didn't want to go over the edge. It the way it's put together just looks like he does it on purpose, which obviously he does. But we're meant mm. to think, oh god, he's gonna die. James Bond's Bond going to die, die. <laughs> and it doesn't play like that at all. It does. No, it doesn't at all. It's like a man skis off the edge for, and you think, yep, he's skied off the edge. It's James Bond. Oh, and there's his parachute. That that harness just appeared on him out of nowhere. Where did, that that wasn't there a minute ago. Man. It's definitely one of those things where these days it would be so much easier to shoot. You'd have a cameraman on skis you know and and um you'd get proper close-ups of an mm. actor like rather than crappy sort of back projection stuff and and you could get him to actually act yeah. as if so you can get some sense of feeling it just looks scene. like you're watching a stuntman do a very intentional ski or like controlled ski off the side of a cliff which is quite you know it's cool but it just doesn't i don't think that you're ever going to get believability when it comes to physical stunts from roger moore though it's like not <laughs> no amount of editing or trickery can convince me that he's actually doing any of these stunts like perhaps you know i can imagine connery getting involved a bit and uh, dalton later on certainly but... is Kobe broccoli british no, no, he's American. Well, Italian American. His uh Hey, it's me, Kirby Broccoli. Ding dong. <laughs> oh, it's Italian American Kirby Broccoli. <laughs> yeah, he just invited himself in. I didn't even open the door. His family were the uh the people that brought broccoli to America. Hey, we love our steamed vegetables here, us broccolis, <laughs> eh? Broccoli pizza, cause we're Italian Americans. I'm Gru. <laughs> 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 Calvin, I've always I've always imagined Cubby Broccoli. I don't know what he looks like, I don't really know anything about him apart from his silly name. I've always imagined him as a kind of classic film producer, 
you know, molesting what, young coked actors. Coked up to the teeth. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. That's how Balding. I imagine him. In, 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 a, in the classic Hollywood sense, obviously. A baseball cap. He was cap. very happily married. Yeah. Mm. And? <laughs> no evidence to suggest otherwise. I'm not saying there's evidence, but that's what I imagine. I imagine, like, quite a stocky... Fat guy with a cigar, like no, why well, I mean, yeah, Steen esque basically. Yeah, is, and it's a happy saying. marriage because they've got a, a what's the word? Agreement. An agreement. Yeah, <laughs> no, an mean, unspoken you... agreement that he'll give her money and shag anyone he wants. Oh, come, come now. That's so. As long as he doesn't like rub a nose in it, that's that's the the rules. All the broccoli she can eat. I mean, just unfounded accusations. <laughs> it's not an accusation because I don't know anything about it. I'm saying that's the picture I get with oh, big right, Bond okay. film producer Cubby Broccoli with that stupid yeah. name. I'm going to Google I'm image him though and then I'm going to make up a load of stuff <laughs> based on what he looks like. Well, anyway, um, there's actually a story about, I think it was on this film, where uh, he was known for sort of treating members of the cast and crew very well on set, mm. uh, you know, in terms of food and drink and stuff. And actors will often say, you know, there was no such thing as prop champagne on a Bond film. It all just was champagne and you'd just be drinking that. It's very unprofessional. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, apparently uh, when they were filming, I think in were they in the, filming in the desert here or something, and then the food truck, which was supposed to be bringing a load of food from Britain, arrived and it was empty because someone had stolen it or something. Tea. So, so Cubby Broccoli like took over a small restaurant and made a big uh, vat of pasta and <laughs> sauce, for cutting the garlic with a razor blade and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Hey, come here. Come here. You never know when you have to make pasta for 30,000 people. Come on. <laughs> See, I'd always just imagined a, a piece of broccoli in a suit. Um... <laughs> See, could be broccoli sounds to me like a 1930s baseball player who's <laughs> fondly remembered. How, does, how does he talk then? How accurate oh. are impressions of him? Hey, whoa! I mean, hey, hey, I'm making me. the bond no, no, over no, no, here. Hey, yo! Hey, let's get some fucking cocaine over here! He talks a bit more like Marlon Brando in The Godfather. Hey! <laughs> like that kind of... Hey, let's get some fucking cocaine over here and set cocaine on aisle three, am I right, guys? We're making a fucking band over here! Unfounded innuendo. Like, him and Rochamore loved playing um, backgammon. Or hey. in between breaks, yeah, we all. And I fucking love a game of backgammon with my uh, my princess here. I've just been introduced to her. We love a game <laughs> of backgammon, don't we, honey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll show you some some tricks of the trade later. <laughs> That's right, Mister Broccoli. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's just anyway. Um... Hey, hey! I'm a happily married man. And I resent those accusations you're making, <laughs> Mr. Dyson. So you guys like music. What did you think of the theme song to this oh, particular God. film? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I resent that music. accusation. I do not like music. And, <laughs> um, but it's quite a good song. I like this one. Ah. Oh, we, uh, yeah. which okay. one's this? Oh, the spite the... Nobody does it. Yeah, that one. Uh, yeah. I really like the opening titles to this film. Yes, it's the, I think yes. it's the first Bond film where I've really gone. All right, yeah, this is uh, this is kind of what I want from a Bond opening sequence. I completely agree. I think of the ones done by Morris Binder, who did most of these uh, Bond films up until I think *License to Kill*. Um, I think this is the best. Well, I, I like this. Feels like the first Bond film that I've 
that's really embraced just being trippy. <laughs> and I like that. The, like, yeah, the, the, yeah, the, no, the way the women kind of slide across the floor, even though like it's not in sync with with the feet moving, <laughs> and how it's like mm. it seems to be one woman who's been doubled up about ten times, and mm, it, mm. I like it. I like that. I think, yeah, I think Maurice had access to more optical effects or something. <laughs> it's uh... how many times have you watched this film, Calvin? Ruff, a realistic <sighs> estimate. It is probably about. <sighs> 60, 70? <laughs> Fucking hell. I must watch it at least twice a year. <laughs> Jesus. What? That's just... Uh, I, I, just got, I was going to say I haven't watched something that many times and I couldn't even think of anything <laughs> late in, on any level. I don't think I've watched the film mm. six times. So what do we think of the villain? It's not long after the credit sequence that were introduced to him. So you get you get a German actor... And that's it, isn't it? Is that, is that the whole process? <laughs> well, I was about to say that despite this being one of my favourite films in the series, I'm really not keen on this villain, Carl Stromberg. Yeah, it's pretty boring. I honestly can't remember the villain at all, no, I mean, what that's, he looks like, yeah. what he does. It was originally supposed to be Blofeld, but because of all the legal wranglings meant that Blofeld couldn't reappear. <laughs> so we have well remember Alan <laughs> so we have this man instead who is apparently a very good actor and I don't doubt that but not in this part I've google imaged him and it's pulled up like 12 pictures of him and I still mm. can't remember anything about this character um, but yeah even even his death is kind of anticlimactic and, and quite not spectacular, although very brutal. Oh, very he's very much just Bond shoots him dead. It's kind yeah, of like, like oh, that's quite brutal for Bond. It's usually like he accidentally trips and falls into a vat of acid, doesn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's at the end of the film, of course, and um, he has like Stromberg has this huge long table in this room with very bad back projected images of the sea. well, not even the sea, is it? It's just. Like someone put a camera next to a jug of water and poured water in and out, and that's what they filmed um, to simulate the base going up and down out of the sea. But yeah, no, he's got this big long gun underneath the table that he tries to shoot Bond, and then Bond just shoots down it, presumably to Stromberg's like groin. Well, straight into his balls, yeah. And then it's just a very awkward, slow. He shoots him a couple more times, and then he sort of slides down the side of the table. It's, um, yeah. I've made a note about one of the earliest scenes with Stromberg, where we see mm. they do the classic thing of um, the villain being a villain to other villains. Yes. And he sends that guy off on a helicopter home or something. Yeah. Two of them, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then he says, cancel transfer of $20 million. Yes. <laughs> and then blows up the helicopter. No, he blows up the helicopter and then... But But I've got a question. If you were going to blow up the fucking helicopter so you don't have to pay the guy, why would you even arrange a transfer of $20 million in the first place? Look, we don't know what situation they were in previously. Maybe like he didn't want them to catch cotton on to the fact that he was going to kill them and they were in a meeting with a bunch of other people. Why has he, he, like, he wasted a good helicopter there? Well, well that's the other thing. Why shoot him in the back of the him? head and then knock him into the sea? Exactly. What, what about that helicopter pilot? Eh? Yeah. What he done? Has he betrayed him he as well? He was in on it too, obviously. The why couldn't he just... Sh- why has he got to, like, <laughs> trick the guy into thinking he's going to that specific point? Doesn't make any fucking sense. There's no logic, Because he's sadistic. 
But it, but that's if he's sadistic, he'd like he makes them think they're gonna be okay, and then kills them. So he does. They die quickly, and uh, yeah. So he that does. isn't we, sadistic. We, we, if he was sadistic, he'd like torture them, them a bit, chain them up. He'd and... tell you, he'd tell them, "Now nah, you're never going to leave this island." Mahaha, and it's more about personal amusement, I think. Some it's bloody expensive bit of personal amusement. <laughs> You're saying that blowing up a helicopter is an expense for the guy who has like a 20-story structure which can rise and sink into the sea at the flick of a switch. Like, if, you, uh, if you're into his... personal amusement, then like have the people dropped off on an island and hunt them. I mean, you can get... <laughs> if you're going to, you know, be spending money on getting some people killed you can and revel in it, you can enjoy it more than that. So, should we talk about Jaws? I mean, he's he's back, isn't he? Or is this his first one? Yes, yes. <laughs> does come back several times in the film, though. Is this his first one? Wasn't he in Live and Let Die? No! Who was that? That was Sean Baron Connery. Samady, perhaps? Or Teehee? No, that was Roger Moore. <laughs> who is it who comes at, who comes back at the end to get him on a train? Is that not yours? No, that's Teehee. He's got a hook. Do you remember? He looks, looks a lot like him, though. No, he doesn't! <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> He's black. Can I ask Cubby Broccoli a question? Is he still here? Cubby? He's, he's <laughs> chewing on some pasta. <laughs> right <now>. Passed out. <laughs> it's all that cocaine. <laughs> I'm just going to give him an adrenaline he's, shot. He's coming down hard. Hey, whoa! <laughs> stabbing my heart with that adrenaline shot. <laughs> he sounds like Yogi Bear. <laughs> Hey, Cubby, Cubby, a quick hey. question. Um, hey, how do you, how do you feel? How do you feel about the idea of a black James Bond? Hey, if that whatever brings in the moolah from all the the guys and all the ladies, Cubby, don't discriminate, my man. <laughs> Where are you from, Cubby? <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the U.S. of A. <laughs> but okay. I'm a I'm a hip happening cat. As you will <laughs> recognize when you watch The Spy Who Loved Me and listen to the soundtrack on vinyl record. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of music, there's some uh, very funky slap bass Bond films. Oh, yes! <laughs> film. Yeah. They got uh, Marvin Hamlish, and some of it's very funky. At this point in the series, they seem to be alternating between um, one-off composers and John Barry, so this was a a, a one-off turn. I'm not gonna lie, it, I mean, while I like some of the tracks in um, Isolation, mm. it, it, it's very unbecoming of a Bond film. The, yeah, that's exactly my song. note. I, I'm not against the music, I quite like disco music. It has no place within this film. <laughs> like, not not even it has no place within James Bond, but like it's used in such incongruous places in this film. Mm. It's so jarring every time it happens. So we have an interesting Bond girl for once. Uh, I don't remember her at all. Anya Amasova, <laughs> Agent Triple X, Russian <laughs> Agent, R- Ringo Starr's wife. <laughs> yeah, Barbara Bach. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, she's pretty good, actually. There's Bond Girls Ghost, quite a strong character. Decent enough actor mm. to get away with it, without having to mm. do anything too strenuous. She wasn't dubbed in, was she? No, no. Although she was Remarkably. not using her own voice. <laughs> Just this dodgy Russian accent she's doing. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, no, it's the first time. It seems like such an obvious thing to pair Bond up with. A, well, I mean, he's paired up with uh, Tatiana from from Russia with Love was a Russian agent, but he's never really been paired up with a true equal like Anya is. I mean, granted, she still needs saving at the end, but I mean, yeah, I was going to say I um, don't know if I'd call her a true equal exactly, but uh, well, yeah, she does all the things that Bond can do. She drinks, okay, she yeah. fights, she's a, a spy. She's sleeping with well, we see her sleeping with one guy at the start of the film. So, so I, I'm I'm getting the. Uh, positive vibes on her well, from you guys because yeah, I mean, her acting is solid. quite wooden. Better compared to Bond girls, good, but mm. you know, compared to actors, nothing special. <laughs> uh, fair enough. I, I've made a note here, and I have no idea what point it relates to anything. But I'm hoping you'll be able to go. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about there. My note is, it really looks like Bond used that woman as a human shield intentionally when he got shot. Oh at. yes. Yeah, Bond is dispatched to get more information about this uh, missing submarine, and he's about to be shot, and then she, I assume, has a moment of conscience or clarity or something, and decides to throw herself in the path of the bullet, but how it's shot, it just looks like Bond used her as a human shield. Because if she if she's in on it and she throws herself in front of it, it doesn't make any sense. We don't know who the character is, we don't know Yeah, anything. I didn't get that at all. It, none of it makes she... any sense. But we do get a nice cold kill from Roger Moore when the guy's like dangling off the side of the roof and holding onto Bond's tie. He chops his head off with a single blow of an axe. <laughs> uh, no, he just hits the guy's hand and he oh. falls to his death. Oh, um, I thought that was good. Roger Moore doesn't normally get those kind of cold moments. But then he then he he spent like an hour trying to like undo his tie afterwards because it had been pulled so tightly like picking it <laughs> in with his teeth <laughs> just fiddling at it in the end just cut it off and forget it yeah. got, new t- got all the times uh, you know the, the the audio commentaries for this this one and Moonraker both had very similar um, production uh, people behind it and the, including the same writer Christopher Wood and he's very in interviews he, he's this very Shakespearean sounding very posh and all this kind of stuff and he does this group commentary with like associate producer or something who's just very much oh yeah you know James Bond slaps lady on the arse no problem with that we want a shot of a pigeon doing a double take yeah just give me some glue and a pigeon and a plank <laughs> of wood and jobs are good and um, put more on that next uh, next week. But yeah, the uh, the writer for the film is often lamenting about like, oh, I wrote this line and it changed when it came in and all this kind of stuff. I wasn't on set when they filmed this. I well, that's it, yeah. It. I mean, they had to translate it into German so the actor could do it and then <laughs> got translated back for the ADR and, you know, it gets lost, <laughs> doesn't it? Well, talking about mm. wonderful writing... Were we? I thought we were talking about James Bond. <laughs> oh... Uh, all those feathers and he still can't fly. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> look, some of, the, some of the one-liners aren't that great. Even that many feathers. But, I mean, what does that even... What does that say about James Bond? Mm, some of the lines here is particularly bad. And, and one of my notes is, Bond really is a tosser. Um, and I think What's that was relating thing? to when... Um, him and the woman were confronting Jaws somewhere in a desert, and then they were trying to get out in a in a van. And Jaws was like ripping ripping it apart. And he's just oh, yeah. he's just like she's dr- trying to get away and drive, and he's just like throwing in snarky comments, like either help or shut up. I love that scene. You're not. <laughs> I love that. Scene. You're just winding no, her just, up when she's trying to it. save He's you like, like he like gets the keys out on a ring, and he's like going through them delicately, and then she's like the keys. 
bees and yeah, because they're like, about to be murdered yeah. by a giant man with teeth. Yes, but Bond, you know, it, 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 it's not realism. Uh, <laughs> it's it's fine. It's like uh, Roger Moore's winking at the camera and coming out with lines like, "Can it play any other tune?" After she puts it into the wrong gear, and uh, you know, can I a quick question, Calvin? At what yes? At what point? Did they decide that Jaws was such a great villain that they wanted to bring him back and then therefore have him survive at the end? <laughs> well, you know, they say that they were, that they filmed an ending where he actually died, but I, I've never actually seen it nor any stills of it. And the director talks about like how kids wrote in saying how much they loved Jaws, so they decided to let him live. But then I don't really understand well, how. When did they these kids? See kids... It? <laughs> well, that's exactly it. So there's. Yeah, there's some I, there's some vagueness yeah. there. I don't know. I'm ass- only ass- I can only assume that at some point during filming, you know, they all decided that they really liked him and I, I could come back. I can completely buy that everyone involved higher up the ladder in the production of old Bond films is a compulsive liar. That does just really <laughs> for some reason, doesn't it? The director, all the producers. Hey, I invented broccoli. All right. <laughs> Should we should we talk about the most arguably the most iconic part of the film, the the underwater car, the Lotus Esprit? Yeah. This is like I never liked Thunderbirds as a kid because it would just be like interminable prolonged shots of vehicles, and I'd just be like, I don't care. It's the stunts though, it's the shots, it's what I mean. There are some remarkable shots in here. There's one of my favorite shots where it's like the Lotus is zooming along and the camera's following it, and the helicopter just like appears right next to it from under the. That's uh, a great shot. Bank. Yeah, no, that's really good. I think it. I, I think it's quite cool. You know, they they drive into the water and then it's like boop 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 boop, and it turns into a. Uh, submarine type of thing. That's a cool concept. I think it's yeah. I think especially in the seventies, it's like oh yeah. I was going to say it feels very dated. It just feels like what well, that's it. But in the seventies, that was probably really mind blowing, wasn't it? <laughs> I wanted to ask you something, Calvin. I'm slightly more general than this, but about cars in the James Bond mm. world, because you you're not someone I associate with as being a real car person. Um, no, but no. you do fetishize the cars in James Bond in the way that people yes. do. Now, yes. I think Sol's with me here that I, I just don't understand cars at all. I've never owned one. I don't particularly like yeah. get a boner looking at them. Um, so why? Oh, it's do a means you... to an end for me. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a good practical tool, obviously. Yeah. But it's uh, what is it with like? Ooh, this is shiny. This has got a well, nice. I don't think Calvin knows either. Sort of stuff. Because I think Calvin, <laughs> I think Calvin's love of is this cars like when is... Calvin admires the women in James Bond? He doesn't exactly, know why. Ex- he just... exactly. I think it's, it's purely because aesthetic. James Bond's into it. It's like if if Electric Six cover uh, a song by Captain Beefheart, I'll be like, "Oh, this is a really cool song by Captain Beefheart." But then I'll listen to the rest of the Captain Beefheart album, and I'm like, yeah, "I'm not really interested." If if Electric Six, I'm going to cover it. it just doesn't... Who's Captain Beefheart? <laughs> <laughs> An old musician. Who is dead? <laughs> mm. uh, but to answer your question, Alan, for, for, from a James Bond perspective, it's certainly the the fantasy element of having cars which can do these amazing things and all the gadgets and stuff. Mm. So, if it was just a cool Aston Martin, would you you wouldn't be particularly bothered about that? Uh, I mean, I like Aston Martins a lot, but that's probably just because of you know Stockholm syndrome and product <laughs> placement has worked. It's yeah, Magic I've walked the down the street with Calvin, and he's the only person I think I've ever witnessed this with, where like a nice car's driven past, and he he's gone. Oh, look at that car! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I think 
I think it must have been a car from a Bond movie. Like, yes, it will have been. Yeah. <laughs> but that, I think potentially the problem with the Lotus Esprit in this film here is that it looks so 70s. And it yeah, just feels yeah. really dated now. Whereas you look at a classic Aston Martin or a Jaguar or something like that, there's something timeless about it because it's this I mean, very cool style that they have. I don't know. I, mm. I think it's a throwback to the 70s. I think it's got a, you know, a, I, I think it's a decent looking it looks Car. very 70s, though, doesn't it? That's what I mean. It's, it's. I think that this film, out of perhaps even all the Bond films, has aged the worst. I think it, there's something... Maybe it's, just, maybe it's just a sign of the time that we're currently living in, where the 60s have this sort of timeless uh, appeal to them, whereas you get to the 70s and Roger Moore's coming out in flares and these uh, <laughs> very long-collared... <laughs> Cubbies coked up to the tits, you know. <laughs> there was there was a scene in here where he was wearing like white linen trousers and a black blazer, and I was like, "What's that about?" <laughs> but, <laughs> stylish man. Why is he wearing a shirt and tie um, in the Bahamas? Talking about this film aging badly as well, I, I do feel that this taking on a kind of status as the definitive Bond film has led to it being perhaps the most imitated and parodied and. Therefore, mm. that's removed a lot of the impact the cool and surprising moments might have otherwise had. Um, mm. I don't mm. know. Just to quickly go back to the the car submarine. Yeah. Obviously, mm. when it drives out, of well, I was going to say my favorite on part the beach, of the film. There is yeah. <laughs> obviously everyone that is there is very shocked, and in fact, we have the perfect shocked trifecta of a man cigar cigar falling out of his mouth, um, <laughs> a man drinking, looking at the bottle, and going. Whoa. And then, and then a pigeon does a double take. <laughs> but then, and then what you, and then there's a dog. Like obviously, what should have happened is the dog dramatically puts its paw over its own eyes. <laughs> Unfortunately, they just went with a dog runs away in mock horror kind of thing. So it wasn't it quite perfect, reality. but it was, it was so close. What 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 other ones were deleted, Calvin? You've seen the deleted scenes. Was there a was there a chimp putting its head in its hands? <laughs> Um, was there? We get, was there a, a, a woman who covered uh, her child's eyes? <laughs> <laughs> was there like an eight-year-old boy who's blowing a, a bubble with some bubble gum, and then it pops all over his face? <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, was there a guy smoking a joint? Went, Whoa, dude! <laughs> <laughs> Was there was there a, a traffic policeman like blowing a whistle and like guiding traffic through who like turns his head as like a shadow drives past him and then the whistle falls out of his mouth? <laughs> you know, you are actually describing moments from future Bond films. <laughs> I look forward to uh, discovering these moments with you both. Yeah. Is there? Uh, a robot watching, and then like, <laughs> sparks begin to fly, and the head like explodes off. It goes, does not compute. I think it was great restraint for them not to have a fish double taking. <laughs> that, that, like, that's something that they might have actually done. Anyway, yeah, love that sequence. Uh, think of you, Sol, every time I see that guy chugging from his wine bottle. And, that uh, is my favourite. Sat at the beach on his own, drinking a bottle of wine. <laughs> we'll see him in the next two films. Is it the same guy? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's fantastic! I didn't realize he was a uh, he, he was like an assistant director for the um, locations in Italy. That's uh, and they went to Italy for the next two films, so he has the yeah pleasure of appearing more. Roger Moore. 
Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think if there's something we haven't um, spoken about yet. Um, the um, there's a the bit where this this giant sort of tanker ship opens up and hmm. swallows a submarine. Right. Yes, now, that's the big villain yeah, ship thing. Just just a quick question: Wouldn't the obvious defense to that be go underwater if you're in a submarine? <laughs> Like, rather than well, staying on the surface where it can scoop you up? It's uh, a good question. Because <laughs> they, they didn't even seem to be suggested. It's not like, we haven't got time to submerge, we're only a submarine. We <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just, it's there, what do you do? I mean, Bond's ship can be excused because they wanted to be captured. Uh, they wanted to get into the same spot. Did you notice parallels with um, You and Live Twice, by the way? Like, that whole film was about uh, space shuttles being swallowed up. Um, yeah. Taken to the villain's lair, and it's more or less the same thing here, but with nuclear submarines. I mean, yeah, like, every Bond film I ever watched just feels like, oh, it's more of the, the same, same thing. So, yeah, I <laughs> <laughs> now, I do anyway. know, I do know that... They built a new soundstage at Pinewood Studios to do all this shit because they didn't, they yes. couldn't find a place big enough. Now that is pretty oh, yes. impressive, that, and it's still there. I mean, the 007 stage is still at Pinewood, and that shows the pull that Bond had at this point, doesn't it? <laughs> if, mm, if, mm. if you're creating your own studio spaces because nothing's big enough for you, and the amount of stuff that they do on that set as well. I mean, moving submarines in and out, the water that's in there, uh, explosions. It's a, it's a very impressive set. It doesn't have the um, the fun campiness of the volcano lair, I don't mm. think, from You Only Live Twice, but it's, it's it is an impressive set nonetheless. Needed a cat going mental <laughs> there's a bit that always like because there's this big battle at the end uh uh bond releases all of the submarine crewmen and they all you know band together but this is curious bit where this Lost like semen. young I was, just, I was laughing because he said crewman instead of semen. I, I don't want to say it <laughs> anyway there's a bit where this like the, the bond and this uh, senior bond guy releases like, oh, a lot of semen wait not bond <laughs> Who is it? Yeah, um, Stromberg. Yeah, them. No, Stromberg. Stromberg. Stromberg swallows up the semen. <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? He releases all the semen. Bond. Bond. Bond just gushes out a load of semen everywhere. <laughs> anyway. All over the place. Stromberg's so furious. There with this, He's like, there's um... semen everywhere. <laughs> Bond's there with this more um, senior uh, man. And uh, and him and this guy are sort of saying like, oh, we'll never get behind that. It's impregnable. (laughs) We haven't got enough semen to impregnate this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, this this young guy... like appears and he's like, right, yeah. no, no, no worries, sir. I'll, I'll do it. Uh, and then thirty and he, seconds later, he's dead. Yeah, <laughs> and then he's dead. But it's such an odd little detour. It's like I don't know if we needed that bit of film to explain to us that the uh, control room truly was impregnable, or whether um, just they just hadn't tried hard enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my next note is Jaws' mouth getting stuck to a magnet, and then James Bond oh. says, the, "Like probably the worst effort pun they've ever had." How does that grab you? Appalling. <laughs> uh, that's not as bad as some of the others. At least it. Makes it's not even related to magnets or metal or teeth. It's not even <laughs> relevant. Okay, do something better. Let's workshop it. He could have gone. Oh, I always said you had a magnetic personality. And I'll, See that, magnifying. That, that makes le- that doesn't fit the situation though. At least, how does no. that grab you? Because the things just grabbed him. It makes sense. And 
And they already did the mag- uh, magnetic puns in Live and Let Die. When he says, uh, pure magnetism, darling, to that lady when he's using his watch to undress her. <laughs> it's going to be something about biting. Uh, Talk about teeth, chewing teeth. the scenery. Think dentist. Yeah, yeah. Um, Have you got the time? Oh, I didn't realise it was 2.30 already. <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. Uh, anyway, so there's a bit of conflict in this whole last third because Bond killed Triple X's boyfriend at the start of the film and now she found out and she wants, you know, She's gonna kill revenge, him. I suppose. Um, of course she doesn't. They just have sex instead. It just seems like such a missed opportunity. I, I was convinced he was going to pop the champagne cork like into her head after she pulled the gun <laughs> out on him and it was going to be this cool, like, Think fast and pop and like overpower. <laughs> how would he her, have but... sex with her if she was like comatose? Yeah, well, exactly. I wasn't just thinking how's he gonna there. fuck her. I was thinking, <laughs> you know, what could he do to get you out? You think of that her? would stop James Bond? <laughs> <laughs> no. Mm. <laughs> I love the ending of this film. I think it goes like you remember, of course, in You and Live Twice when he's on uh, on the sex raft with. Um, the Bond girl at the end was of that it the one official sex raft of the shit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was good that they just did the same thing again, wasn't it? The exact no, they didn't just do the same thing again. You. They went one step further and actually had him in front of his uh, senior uh, officers so that they could all go, Bond, good lord, man, what the hell do you think you're doing? And all that. Do they not know? <laughs> they don't know what he is. And then. His reputation. And that, that fucking musical cue at the end. Nobody does. No, you're making it too cool. It's like it's like a load of salty seamen chanting it. <laughs> we can all do it in sync. Okay. Three, two, one. Nobody, Nobody does it better. I hated it. I was so angry when that fuck when those salty seamen started singing. Nobody does it better. I, I used to really love that um, ending theme, but since Brexit, I've not been able to enjoy it as much. <laughs> the, it's the same thing with the uh, Union Jack parachute opening at the start. There's something about the yeah nationalism now that just really rubs me up the wrong way. <laughs> well, you know, it's a silly concept, isn't it? Yeah. What, nationalism or the parachute? Nationalism. <sighs> oh, yeah, yeah, the parachute's fine. <laughs> I'm disappointed that you guys can't really have fun with these films. Like, uh, <laughs> I've been having loads of fun of laughing the... about semen. <laughs> well, there, but there you go. You you have had a good time. Yeah, not watching the film. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have. I think it's great. I think it's one of the very best of the series. Is it one of the um, best or is it the best, Calvin? One of, one of. Should we do ratings? Five out of ten from me. Yeah, I gave it a five Bland five, middle of the road, whatever. I'm gonna go nine. <laughs> great <laughs> film. Very, very good. One of Wait, my so the best films. Bond film doesn't get a ten from you? No, no, this isn't the best. Oh, okay. We'll get there. Okay, so what? What now? Well, you you normally do pictures at this point, don't we? Go on, oh, yeah, go on. Do as a pitch. Jaws five. <laughs> Jaws versus Jaws. <laughs> Do either of you guys have any ideas for potential sequels? But the, the problem is that there's so little to go on in this film that, like, what do you do? Must say, The Spy Loved Me, James Bond, Spy... What about who loved The Spy me. Who Shagged Me? And we'll make it really <laughs> raunchy and funny. 
What about the spy who dumped me? And we'll do it from like a female perspective as a comedy. Wait, isn't that already a thing? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, this guy but the spy it. who shagged me is an original idea that no one's ever done. <laughs> mm. The spy who X'd me has become a uh, surprisingly famous sort of go-to. So what can we come up with then that would be new and fresh? The spy who shrunk me with Rick Moranis? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's brilliant. Okay, so Bond's in Hughes laboratory. Hughes working on a like a new gadget. A shrink like, oh, ray. <laughs> Bond, what are you doing? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm really into this idea of chimp Bond that was mentioned earlier. Can we get that in here somewhere? Would it, would it be Bond working with a chimp as like a, an assistant or chimp Bond? Well, there, there, there was a film with like Spymate, I think it was called, that did that. <laughs> Spymate? Really? It must have been called Spymate, yeah. Um, okay, so if chimp James Bond has already been done, so can we have where chimp is the love interest? He shags the chimp. Well, the chimp who loved me. The spy mate who loved me. What's that film? Oh, Max Miamor. It's like a well-respected French film, but it's about a woman falling in love with a chimp. Charlotte Rampling. Yeah, of course it's Charlotte Rampling. It's a French film about sex. (laughs) Yeah, here we are. Plot description. A married French woman takes a zoo chimp named Max to be her lover. Is it a comedy? Uh, IMDb says it is, yes. (laughs) Okay, I think the chimp thing has been done to death, unfortunately. We might need to find a new avenue. What about a James Bond film, but all the characters are puppies? <gasps> oh, that's Bond good buddies. It's called Air Bondies, or whatever. <laughs> Air Bondies? <laughs> <laughs> what I kind mean... of dog would Bond be? Yeah, okay, here's your pitch. What kind of dog is X? Okay, right. right. All right, so it's, it's a, the, the I don't latest... know about dogs. What dog would one be, right? Um, quite masculine. The kind of <laughs> no, the queen no, no, would he... be a corgi. He'd be like a chocolate Labrador or something. <laughs> no, it's too. Are we are we pleasant. ready for a chocolate Labrador bond? <laughs> or should we have a golden retriever? Bond? A golden retriever. It's too pleasant. It's too nice an animal. You need, yeah. we need like a dirty dog for Bond. We need someone. No, who's he's a bit not. Normal. No, because he's not. He doesn't have that appearance, does he? Well, he's, no, he's prim and proper. Bond would be more like, um, you know, prim and proper, but not as, like, obviously lovable. I, I mean, it's still lovable, but not like... Labradors are just too... You want to give him a cuddle, whereas Bond would be like one of those Scotty dogs, but bigger. Do you know what I mean? Kind of more chiselled and, and... That's a Sean Connery dog, Bond dog. Split, <laughs> split the difference between a Scotty dog and a Great Dane. Ooh, okay. What, yeah, what are we talking that. there? Like a... A collie is a bit too scruffy as well. It's too, mm. too kind of a working, working class looking dog. <laughs> Should we come back to Bond? Should we do the villains? Okay. What okay, Blofeld so, be? So our yeah, Bond... let's not do the villain in this film because he's boring. So let's do yeah. the famous villains. Yeah, Blofeld. I mean, Jaws is easy. Jaws is uh, an Alsatian. <laughs> can, can we have a hairless cat for Blofeld? Or is that... <laughs> oh no, a dog that strokes a cat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. It was right before our eyes. Yeah, hairless cat for Blofeld. Perfect. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, of course the villains would be cats, wouldn't they? Yeah. Who else have we got? Oh, yeah, who's the sexy lady dog? Now, sexy lady dog can be one of those, like, like a female golden retriever type thing, but one of those smaller ones. 
Have you seen Isle of Dogs? There's one in that. Yeah, the, the whatever Scarlett Johansson's dog is. What kind of breeds can... Scarlett Johansson in Isle of Dogs? That can be like the main Bond girl, but we need like another couple for him to sleep with before he gets to that one. Like one of them needs to die, and they need to. One be of them needs to be their, yeah foreign. Their like barks can be Chinese dubbed dog. by English dogs. You know the start of um, One Hundred and One Dalmatians, yes. and it's doing all the dogs that look like their owners. Mm. And it, there's one that's quite a lanky one that looks like it's owned by a librarian. <laughs> Is that the Afghan hound? Because they've got uh... very long hair. Because that's the one I was thinking of. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I think Bond would sleep with one of them. That's quite seventies, actually. Like skinny, long, straight hair. It's very seventies yeah. mm. style. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. What about um, yeah? All your henchmen. You need like one mm. type of dog for all the henchmen, hmm. or or all the seamen. Mm. Jack Russell, <laughs> German Shepherd. Oh no, Jack Russells are too nice. Probably would be a German Shepherd sort of thing. But depends how like menacing German you are. Shepherd. German Shepherd would be for no, like Jaws. One of the big like boss henchmen would be a German Shepherd. I, I think you need a like a boxer or or oh, what's that Doberman. dog that what's that dog that looks like it's had its face smacked in with a brick that like <laughs> like the most working class British dog. Oh, what? the Staffy. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That'd be one of the villains. Fucking that'd be the Blofeld. Animals. Yeah. <laughs> It looks like Donald Pleasance. What about M? What's an M? Bulldog? You, this is your classic M, like a, a, a white middle-class man. Not, not your Judy Dench nonsense. Poodle. Judy Dench should be a pug. <laughs> Money Penny would be one of those little yappy She's, things. Because Money Penny's got to be nice, like a nice feminine dog, but just a little bit over the hill. A Pomeranian for Money Penny. <laughs> Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. <laughs> I think the dogs are just, like, all the nice dogs are just a bit too dopey to, like, take seriously. And then all the other ones, it's like they're too menacing to be... Mm. to look right in a tux. What is the perfect dog bond? Write in and let us know. Because we can't <laughs> figure it out. I don't know anything about dogs, so I'm no help. Oh! He's a Dalmatian! <laughs> it's like a it's like a fancy breed. It's one of those, like, show dog breeds, but mm. it's and big. And he's deaf and got bad hips. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've got it right with Dalmatian because they're not too cute, but they're quite attractive. Yeah, they're, they're, they're like size. a show dog, prim mm. and proper, but big, mixed race, probably menacing enough if it came at you. Oh, I think I'd quite like a Dalmatian actually if I were to get a dog. Oh no, actually I wouldn't. No, no. I spent the weekend with a lovely dog. I can't remember what <laughs> breed it was. I, I kept calling it a chocolate Labrador, but it wasn't. It was like a chocolate Labrador a crossed dog. with a something. I think Chocolate Labrador, one of the best dogs. Well, yes, because you had one. <laughs> yeah, but it is one of the best. I think it was like a, a, a Labrador cross with a German Shepherd or a Retriever or something like that. It, it was it was quite a beautiful dog. Oh, in fact, I'm looking at pictures of Retrievers now. Chocolate Lab Golden Retriever. Yep, that's it. Chocolate Lab Golden Retriever. And it was lovely. As, as my mum always says, all dogs should be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, and if you know anything about dogs, then go ahead and make your suggestions at our Facebook page. That's facebook.com forward slash diminishing returns podcast. And if you haven't already, please review us on iTunes. It's very important. And come back next week because, well, it's October, so I guess things are going to start getting spooky. Spooky.